on today's episode. Does this song make you horny, baby? Hop in the VW bug. We're going to time travel. Should we go to 1969 or 1999? Or why not both? We're going to talk Beautiful Stranger by Madonna from the 1999 film Austin Powers' The Spy Who Shagged Me. Bring your psychedelic flute. It's time to start the pod. Welcome to The Song Will Go On, the podcast inspired by the songs, inspired by the motion pictures. I'm Sophia Matano, international woman of podcasts. Today, we're in search of our lost mojo, and I've recruited two spies to help me find it. Our first agent, he puts the grr in Swinger Baby. It's my co-host, Paolo Grassini. Grr, baby! What's up, Sophie? I love it! Sophie's driving! She's Uh, driving this pod, the VW pod bug. Yeah, the VW pod bug, exactly. And today's super spy guest is writer, filmmaker, musician, and frontman of Darlin the Band. To know him is to love him. It's Michael Dozier. Hi, Michael. Hello, you guys. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. We're so excited to have you. Yes, so pumped. This, oh my God, I cannot believe we're here. This day has come. Let's go. So Michael, please tell the people at home a little bit about what you do and your amazing music with Darlin' the Band. Thank you, Sophie. I am based in New York. I'm a writer. I am a filmmaker. And I am the lead singer of Darlin' the Band. Uh, It's a synth pop band that um, we've been playing around New York City for like four or five years now. And um, I love pop music. It's the, my, my favorite pop stars are my biggest inspirations, not just in music, but in life. So who bigger than Madonna has ever graced us in yeah. that world? So I'm so happy to be talking about this with you guys. It's like the perfect, the perfect fit. I'm so thrilled. I cannot wait to get to this song. Before we do that, Michael, I have to ask you, why do you pick this song? I was so surprised that... We're already talking about Beautiful Stranger so early in the pod, and I'm so excited about that. Hint, I'm a fan. Yes, Beautiful Stranger comes to mind immediately for me when I think about movie songs, movie soundtracks, tie-ins. I think it's just like kind of a no-brainer, both like sonically and just like the music video too. It's like it was still, it was made in that era where soundtrack songs featured heavily the uh the the characters from the movie and scenes from the movie so like it's the perfect it like created this perfect tie-in where i can't think of austin powers without beautiful stranger (laughs) and i can't think of beautiful stranger without austin powers so it just was so obvious not that i had to pick it now agents (laughs) your mission should you choose to accept is to save the world by this causing beautiful stranger let's go by madonna from Austin's Powers, the spy who shagged me. <laughs> In order to prepare for our mission to take down the nefarious Dr. Evil, we need all the intel we can get. And you know the drill now. We can't talk about the song without first discussing. Yes, it's creator, the movie. Alive. It's alive. It's alive. I'm going to toss it to Sophie Exposition. Give <laughs> us the lowdown. And please try to keep it groovy. <laughs> Always. Austin Powers' The Spy Who Shagged Me is a 1999 spy comedy film and the second in the Austin Powers film series. 
which follows master spy and sex symbol Austin Powers, the International Man of Mystery. The film was directed by Jay Roach and written by Michael McCullers and Mike Myers. The original Austin Powers, International Man of Misery, misery. (laughs) (laughs) the original Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, grossed 53 million from its North American release and over 67 million worldwide and was a champion of home release where it gained a lot of popularity. So a sequel was the next natural step. In the sequel film, the source of Austin Powers' powers, aka his mojo, is stolen by his nemesis, Dr. Evil. He sends henchman Fat Bastard back to to the 1960s when Austin was cryogenically frozen to extract his mojo, rendering Austin powerless in the 1990s. Now, Austin must travel back in time to stop Dr. Evil's plans of world domination and to try to reclaim what has been lost. Mike Myers plays multiple characters, Austin Powers, Dr. Evil, and the new character, Fat Bastard. Michael York, Mindy Sterling, and Seth Green reprise their roles, and we welcome Heather Graham as a new love interest, Felicity Shagwell, and Vern Troyer as the iconic mini-me. And don't forget Jerry Springer. (laughs) Yeah, he makes a cameo. The title is a play on the 1977 James Bond film, The Spy Who Loved Me. And actually in marketing this film, two posters were made, uh, one allegedly censoring the word shag in case that was too risque. Do you know what they use instead? They just put an asterisk in it. Oh. <laughs> uh, the Spy Who Shagged Me grossed $312 million worldwide against its $33 million budget. $312? Yeah, $312 million. That's so much. That makes it the highest grossing Austin Powers film. And it actually made more money in its opening weekend than the entire earnings of the first Austin Powers movie. Yeah, because it was 50 cents. Yeah, but I'm yeah. But just the opening weekend was more. So that's insane. Uh, Reviews from critics were really all over the place. (laughs) Uh, Some marking it as derivative and less funny than the original, while others said just the opposite. Uh, In general, Mike Myers' performance was incredibly charming, and Austin Powers was praised, while Heather Graham's performance as Felicity Shagwell was considered a low point of the film, unfortunately. Oh, what? Yeah. The Spy Who Shagged Me currently sits at 52% for the critics' score on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, That seems a bit low. Well, that's just the critics. It's 71% audience. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. And um, just to compare that to the original, uh, the first Austin Powers, uh, the critics' score is at 74%. So not quite as beloved as the first, but this one was nominated at the 72nd Academy Awards for Best Makeup. Oh, so that's something. Where are you going? No, for makeup. That's the original song. Yeah. The success of this movie led to the third and last installment in the series to date. Uh, That's Austin Powers' gold member featuring the legendary Beyonce. Um, Mm -hmm. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. We're here to talk the Spy Who Shagged Me after all. So let's dive in. Well, it's tradition here. We start with our guest. Michael, you picked the song. Did you also (laughs) pick the movie? Uh, I cannot really think of a movie that is less made for me than <laughs> the Austin <laughs> Powers franchise. So even I, more special than yeah. Beautiful Stranger comes out of that. No. <laughs> yes, that, that's exactly right. I mean, to that point, my relationship with Austin Powers is that he, after that second movie, after the second movie, became so ubiquitous and beloved in the pop cultural landscape that he just was snatching up my favorite pop stars left and right. I mean, he had Madonna in two. He co-starred with Beyonce in three. And Britney's Boys remix was um, made for apparently the Austin Powers 3 soundtrack. 
because he's all over that video. Bob. <gasps> I did not yeah. know that, and that's going on the list immediately. Yes, <laughs> yes. Now, boys, the original is is all Britney, yes, but right. but for some reason, the remix was synced with Austin Powers Three. And also, I know that Britney has that iconic Austin Powers moment where her boobs turn into guns and shoot mm-hmm. um, yep. a bunch of people after the credits. So that's literally all huh. I care about with Austin Powers is that he just... <laughs> but I didn't think about... That's something I did not think about, Austin Powers and pop stars collaboration, but yeah. he laid it down perfectly. It is like this vehicle for pop stars to have fun in movies. Well, if it's going... If it's a James Bond parody, you need yeah. to have a song to go along with it. I mean, James Bond really famously has amazing songs for every movie. Really good point. And these are all, and it also makes sense that he's like, he doesn't necessarily have amazing songs, like I guess like revered and balladesque songs like James mm-hmm. Bond. He has he has right. fun pop songs because yeah. it's Austin Powers. Yeah, mm-hmm. it actually makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. But no, I remember, you know, I remember all of my friends loving Austin Powers and I remember trying so hard <laughs> to love Austin Powers, just really giving it the the college try mm-hmm. as a as a child and just sitting there like, you know, I just don't know if I'm the target audience for this, but (laughs) I love the music. I do. I really do. (laughs) Self. My relationship with Austin Powers really started and ended with the first one. It was weirdly a movie that I watched a lot as a kid because I... The first one, right? Yes, the first one. So I was an only child and... The way that I saw movies that were inappropriate for me was going over to a friend's house who had an older sibling. And so that is how I first got introduced to Austin Powers. Wait, Austin Powers is an inappropriate film for you? <laughs> At the time, yes. Uh, so I would come home repeating lines to my parents and they were just like, we're not going to tell her what horny means, I guess. <laughs> um, so I have really fond memories of the first movie, even mm-hmm. though... of it went over my head. (laughs) You know, I think we all sort of have that moment when we watch something when we were younger and then we finally get that light bulb moment when we're older and we're like, oh my God, that's what I was watching. Totally. Uh, So by the time uh, this movie came out, I guess I was a little bit more aware of Austin Powers or just the popularity of it. And unfortunately, my attitude with it is sort of that the, the movies have really just... They just decline with each one. If I'm going to watch an Austin Powers movie, it's going to be the first one. So I hadn't seen this one in a very long time before uh, starting to get into this song. Well, Michael, if we would have crossed path in 1999, I would have been one of those annoying people. Be like, you got to see the new Austin Powers. It's so (laughs) funny. I've like died and I'm resurrected right now. This is my second life because I die laughing. I remember that it wasn't just my experience. I remember everyone I knew had that saying no one had... I, I didn't never knew anyone who didn't like Austin Powers. It was just everywhere. And the other funny thing is, and I've seen, I remember seeing the first one, loving it, second one, loving it, third one, all the way. I was like, Austin Powers, amazing. My recollection was that this was my favorite. Really? That's surprising to me. It is surprising because yeah. I rewatched it. It's not. It's the first one. Yeah. <laughs> Strongly <laughs> the first one. This yeah. was not my favorite. Um, I think that is now... With time, the first one has aged better. Definitely. And now I kind of see more that the second one, like the jokes that it borrows for the, for the first one. But it's still like a really fun watch for a couple of reasons. And watching it now, it feels like such a time capsule. Hmm. 1999. I mean, yeah. I'm just watching it. The AOL, 
message on the car. <laughs> the Volkswagen Beetle. I remember that car being such oh, a big yeah. thing. The Mandy Moore music video with the with the car candy. Oh, right. That's what she's driving. Like it was. Oh. It was a huge car. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I miss Mike Myers being one of a go-to comedy person. When he hits, he has done incredible things, but poof, not present day. And I miss that. I miss that because I love Wayne's World. I definitely yeah. love Wayne's World. And I really enjoy Austin Powers at the time, and I still enjoy the first one. I haven't watched the third one in a long time, but... I was just about to ask that. I actually, like, Googled Goldmember just to see, like, how mm -hmm. that did. Um, it, it also has a 52 on Rotten Tomatoes, so maybe it's not the worst. Did, did either of you revisit Goldmember? No, not yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the list. I watched it a lot, though, and I remember that... Yeah. The Austin side of it is not the best. Like the Austin Powers, like the same jokes. But I remember yeah. really liking Beyonce at the time and being like, oh, like she's like really good. Little oh, yeah? we know she's even cool. better than what Goldmember. Nice. Okay. I would be shocked if her performance still doesn't hold up. Okay. She brings a, a really cool uh, vibe to that film. Just going off of memory, I would probably say that this wouldn't be, if we're looking at Beyonce's acting career, this probably shouldn't be your first stop. <laughs> Maybe try like Dream Girls or something. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm sure records. it's still kind of fun. But I think it was, yeah. it's because of Beautiful Stranger. The song was such a hit, like integrating a pop star with Austin Powers. And yeah. Goldmember is like, take it a step further. Yeah. And instead put, of just a music video, like mm -hmm. have someone in the film, can have a presence. We have. She also did music for Goldmember, mm -hmm. Beyonce. Yes. So I think An it's just kind of... Yeah, I, I think it's just like the logical progression of that mentality. Like, this worked, now we go bigger. Instead yes. of just a music video, now we have a pop star. So the whole film. That's right. Yeah. yeah, if you guys ever want to do Work It Out, which which was Beyonce's first solo song, and it was, <gasps> it was for... Austin Powers and Goldmember. Um, have me back. We can just be the Please. Austin Powers yes, team. Yes, you can be a resident Austin Powers scholar. Yeah. <laughs> as, as a podcast of movie songs, uh -huh. I'm just going to say we movie songs help launch the career of, Be of Beyonce of as a Beyonce. solo artist. That's wow. amazing. I'm just going to claim that. Yeah. And I love Work It Out too. So like all these songs hit, like they're all really good. Like that's, yeah. that's another part of, I guess, the Austin Powers legacy is that all the soundtrack songs are genuinely fantastic. Wow, that's such a good point. I didn't really anticipate this conversation well, going in that direction. <laughs> Austin getting Powers a little bit, Getting a little bit yes. of ahead of ourselves but it could be also the era where these films take place there's sure. good music mm, in that era yes like right. if this were to take like there's some films who take place in some bad era or just some right. genre that's not that great and yes definitely okay i'm going right. i'm going to steer us back toward this film for a moment please i think i identified why this film was not my favorite is it the product placement get your hands off my hiney <laughs> no it's not that, that line was such a lazy one i mean the vw beetle is cool the aol by that one i was like oh, <laughs> uh no mine comes from a much more emotional place so in oh, the wow. first movie I just really believed Austin and Vanessa's relationship. Vanessa was mm. played by Elizabeth Hurley in the first one, who growing up, I thought she was the most beautiful woman in the world. Like that is what beauty yeah. was. Bedazzled too. I, I remember. Yes. 
Yes, huge. Her character taught Austin so many things. He taught her so many things. And I was like, yes, this this couple is meant to be. So for this movie to open with Vanessa having been a fembot all along was like heartbreaking (laughs) and such a betrayal. And he moves on so quickly. I can't believe Vanessa, my bride, my one true love. The woman who taught me the beauty of monogamy was a fembot all along. Wait a tick. That means I'm single again. Oh, behave. (laughs) Yeah. Like, what about all the lessons you learned, Austin? (laughs) I'm single again. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is not the attitude to have when your wife is a robot and she explodes. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's kind of like throwing in the trash that connection you have with the first one. Yeah. It made me like kind of upset. So I think that that's sort of what colored my whole opinion of this movie. I I thought you were going in a different direction with that. I thought you were going to say like Heather Graham, who. Well, like (sighs) I enjoy her performance in this film it's fine like i don't want to out of everything that you can aim at in this movie i don't think her performance is where you start i think she's having fun and it's a fun movie but i was also thinking like man she she was a thing for a moment there and i was thinking what happened like i haven't seen her in in a lot of things like where she's been i was like oh maybe she's like a move away from acting like she no she's been acting it's just like not great movies like independent movies Mm. it's a bomber but yeah i remember you know she, she was definitely of the moment. Yeah. Uh, she was, I mean, we're, we're going to talk more about the soundtrack later, but she was in the music video for Lenny Kravitz's cover of American Woman that he did for this. That's right. Um, so she was, you know, being a video girl as well. I don't know if it was this movie in particular, but yeah, critics were kind of lukewarm on her performance. I don't know what else she was supposed to do, though, with the material yeah, that know, she's given. Right. Um, <laughs> She didn't really have enough jokes, in my opinion, um, but I, I at least will give kudos to the movie for not just making her the same character as Vanessa from the first one. Uh, they kind of made her the anti-Vanessa being like she but, was the one all about free love and she was super psyched about but Austin. You can, I feel like there's an angle you can argue that her performance is better than Elizabeth Hurley. Hmm. I'm listening. Uh, Elizabeth I was had, just well, saying, is Sophie El- going to enjoy that yeah. angle? <laughs> well, Elizabeth had a character. Yeah, she did. Heather doesn't. You're correct. You know? But yeah. think about, like, does Elizabeth have jokes in the first one? No. She's the straight man to Austin's. You know, um, but, but, yeah. but Heather, like, she is funny in this movie. She's she's fun. She, she brings a fun vibe. It's she, just that it's not her fault. There's not a character, but she does... Yeah, there's not a character and there's not a lot of conflict between her and Austin. So there's not much for her to play off of. But she does have some iconic outfits like that pink and orange crochet dress is everything. And her intro in the film also when she's dancing with the well, the one she has like a blue. Yeah, the the velvet suit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm I don't know. I think she looks great. In, in the oh, film. she looks amazing. That's oh, not yes, the issue. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> According to the the Collins English Dictionary, this movie is responsible for the word shag wow. coming back into popularity a little bit and reducing its shock value because uh, huh. it used to be a little bit more of a crude word and now it has kind of a relaxed connotation. So I found that very yeah. interesting. Well, so it makes sense why they had um, previously considered censoring the uh totally the you know, title it's very funny 
you say that because I had a similar thought. Mm. Yes. And watching the movie, I just think about how many words became part of pop culture. Like mm. before yes. that, everyone's talking about Mojo. I had never heard about Mojo mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Um, Mini-Me. Also, like the concept of a Mini-Me. Yeah. And stuff like that. Even the, the Britishisms of like Randy and so I mean, not like everyone yeah. was running around talking like that, but I think it just sort of entered the vernacular a little bit. Yes. Yeah. And also everyone doing the jokes, the, 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 the or it's a, a problem comes yeah. along. You must oh, the, the, the pinky to the, to no, the, the mouth? No, the, the, the sip yeah. that when you're like trying to tell someone to like shut up when no, a problem I know. comes along. Like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. All those things. I just, I feel like you, you just had to be there yeah. to know how much this thing was an impact on pop culture everyone was like into it it really is a bit mind-boggling how yeah how away from pop culture it's moved like you don't <laughs> like you don't see people referencing austin yeah. powers the way that maybe off the top of my head i'm blanking out but like it's not the same period but like hangover or something like that where you might see the person with the baby t-shirt and urban Fury or something like that you don't hmm. see anything austin powers we were all into it. It was this fever dream we had as a pop culture, and we just forgot about it. Right. It's been some time, though, but with everything getting a revival, I would not be surprised if we got thinking. a fourth movie soon. Oh, my God. I was yeah. just thinking. But how would they adapt? I mean, this is so... It's almost like anti-woke, the whole, the whole yes. thing. It's I'm almost, glad you mentioned that, because yeah. there are parts of this movie that don't exactly age the best. Right. Um, it's not really worth harping on because it's sort of the entire movie. Yeah, but it's also yeah. so, it's so obvious. Yeah. Like, it's something that anyone sees as, like, yeah, that's, that's Yeah, not. but it would be very interesting to see how we're going to do, or how yeah. we would tackle a character like Austin Powers in 2022. Because the, fu- the funny thing, in the first one, what that was supposed to be the whole shtick right that he right. was from the 60s and exactly. now in the 90s he has to behave yeah <laughs> so that I can't imagine much movie. Yeah. in 2022 how much he has to behave right, right exactly <laughs> yeah i mean they would i guess they would have to it, my pitch would be do the same thing where he has to learn how to how to act in 2022 yeah yeah i think hey i think we just we're starting to write it right now This is the first time where we get introduced to the character Mini-Me, which Paolo hinted at earlier. And I just sort of wanted to give props to Vern Troyer because I, not giving this movie much credit going into it, I expected to just see a ton of jokes at his expense. But actually, his performance is quite funny. Uh, He's really putting in the work there. Uh, They're not just, he's in control of the comedy. They're not all just jokes at him. Uh, and apparently Mike Myers uh, was really impressed with his performance and he rewrote the script to maximize screen time for Mini-Me and also took out his death because apparently Mini-Me was supposed oh, to die <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he could come back. But yeah, so I just wanted to give credit where credit's due and focus on Vern Troyer a little bit. He steals the show, clearly. Yes, he does. Like you come out of that movie reciting the jokes with Mini-Me and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he he did a lot. Yeah. I mean, he's he's mostly not talking. So he so did a lot of physical yeah, comedy, yeah. which is yes. uh, not everyone can pull off. So kudos for sure. No, you're yeah. right. Underrated, underrated comedic performances. Yeah, you might, you might have something there. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I should have saved that for later. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> Hall of Fame underrated comedic performances. Yeah. I also wanted to... Um, give kudos to seth green and his, his yes his blue hair yes. he's a peak hotness for seth green. a lot of the jokes involving <laughs> him are my favorite like 
uh, Dr. Evil's talking about the Austin Power Plant. He's uh -huh. like, why don't you just, if you have a time machine back in yeah. time, travel back and kill him with like taking a dump or something. Yeah. He's a great straight man to, to Dr. Yes. Evil. He does a really great job. And he's also at his peak Buffy look. Like I can yes. definitely see the crossover because he was on Buffy at this time or just finishing up his time on Buffy. Oz. Yeah. Who knew that uh, Scott, Evil, and Oz had the same fashion sense? I know. I love it. We have to dedicate a lot of time to Beautiful Stranger. So we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, yes, we're going to fall in love with a beautiful stranger. Patreon. Every now and then we need a little support to help make the podcast go on. Patreon, support us. And then return we'll give you all we got. And we need you now, tonight! <laughs> Seriously though, head over to Patreon and support us. We have some really cool perks, exclusive content, and your support will help us grow so we can continue making the show. And then maybe we could afford some singing lessons. Or not sing at all, just talk about the people who sing. Check us out at The Song Will Go On on Patreon. We are back. Listeners, you're the devil in disguise. That's why we're doing this bop for you. Let's yes. get into it. <laughs> it's Beautiful Stranger by Madonna from Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Hmm. Sophie, what can you tell us about Beautiful Strangers? I can tell you that Beautiful Stranger is a song by Madonna, which she co-wrote and co-produced with William Orbit for the 1999 Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. I'm sort of at a loss for how to introduce Madonna, uh, <laughs> but uh, here goes. So this multi-hyphenate singer, actress, goddess is commonly referred Royalty. to as the queen of pop. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, with sales over 300 million records worldwide, Madonna is the best-selling female recording artist of all time. She is also the most successful solo artist in the history of the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 chart. Ooh. With a revenue of over 1.5 billion, <laughs> insert <laughs> Dr. <Wow>. Evil voice, <laughs> from her concert tickets, she remains the highest grossing solo touring artist of all time. So some of her hits include Holiday, Vogue, Like a Virgin, Hung Up. I mean, if you don't know who I'm talking about at this point, God help you. Yeah. You're Will 10 years old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> William Orbit, on the other hand, is an English musician and record producer who has sold 200 million records worldwide of his own work and songs that he has either produced or written for others. In 1980, he was one of the trio that became known as Torch Song. Their biggest hit was Prepare to Energize, which was featured in the 1984 comedy Bachelor Party. That's the Tom Hanks one. He has produced songs for the likes of Prince, Queen, Britney Spears, Pink, U2, Robbie Williams, to name a few. Uh, when it comes to his work with Madonna, he had created remixes of her songs, such as Justify My Love. And Erotica. Yeah. 
Yeah, that sounds like garbage. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. but he did not meet Madonna personally until 1997. That's the year that they worked together on her multi-award winning seventh album, Ray of Light. This album features a single of the same name that became a smash hit for Madonna. It breathed new life into her career and signaled a change in her image. The entire album has a mystical and enlightened tone mixed with some hot dance track, which was in stark contrast to her 1992 album Erotica. She carried this tone along with her for Beautiful Stranger, which blends 60s psychedelic pop and 90s electronica, and Orbit played keyboards and guitar on the track. Guy Osiri, who co-executive produced the soundtrack for Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, noted that there was an intense competition among artists to be on the soundtrack. Some of the other tracks included a cover of American Woman by Lenny Kravitz. This was probably the other song that went on to be the most popular. And there was also a cover of Word Up by Mel B from the Spice Girls and a cover of Dragon the Lion by R.E.M. One manager connected to the project allegedly described the fight for the first single release as a bloodbath. Ultimately, Beautiful Stranger was chosen because of its 1960s-inspired sound. Beautiful Stranger was released in May of 1999, just ahead of the Spy You Shag Me hitting theaters. Based on radio airplay alone, it peaked at number 19 on the Billboard Hot 100. It's speculated this lower placement is due to yeah. Warner Brothers not releasing a CD single of the song in the U.S. Oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That yeah. seems low. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the song charted higher in the U.K., however. Uh, it reached number two on the U.K. singles chart and number two on the European Hot 100 singles chart. So it would have probably reached that in the U.S. Yeah, I think so. Um, And then also it reached number two on the 1999 year-end tabulation, just behind our other queen, or should I say princess of pop, Britney's Baby One More Time. Wow. It, wow. Yeah. What a year. What a year. I know. Holy uh, shit. It also did especially well on dance charts domestically and internationally. Okay, let's talk music video. The music video features Mike Myers as Austin Powers, who is warned about a very dangerous spy and to not fall in love with her. He finds Madonna dancing on stage at a club and is captivated by her. She seduces him while they ride in a car and they dance together on a groovy soundstage decked out in colorful 60s style swirls. <laughs> Since 1999, Madonna has included Beautiful Stranger on two greatest hits albums and has added it onto the set list of multiple concerts. Critics gave the song mostly positive reviews. Uh, it, they praised Madonna's vocals and Orbit's contribution to the song and its effervescent sound. Beautiful Stranger was nominated for multiple awards, such as the Grammy for Best Female Pop Vocal Performance, and Madonna actually took home the Grammy for Best Song Written for Visual Media. This being her fifth Grammy, which surprised me because I feel like she should have won more Grammys by 1999. Am I off base? No, you're You're on base. Very much on base. (laughs) Uh, It was also nominated for a Golden Globe, and the soundtrack as a whole won a Brit Award and a BMI Award. Huh. Yeah. Chuck Taylor from Billboard said about the song, It's always a joy when a well-established artist is able to show that he or she is as creatively inspired as ever. Beautiful Stranger does nothing but further Madonna's essential place in pop culture through the 80s, 90s, and now beyond. Credible and utterly exceptional. But I'd like to hear what you two think. Do you think this is a benchmark moment for Madonna in pop culture, or is this just a blip? Oh, I cannot wait, Michael. Let's go. <laughs> Here's the song. Let's start with it. 
What's your relationship to the song? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's a benchmark moment for Madonna in pop culture, but it, it's definitely the benchmark moment for Madonna in Michael culture. Because <laughs> I, I think what makes this song so special to me is like, we're all like millennial kids, like who are coming of age in the 90s. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we have this like interesting relationship with like legends like Madonna and Janet and Cindy Lauper and like these these legends of the 80s where mm. we they were still making relevant music in our coming of age but maybe not in their peak I mean M Madonna definitely had like a second peak which is this is like a part of but this mm -hmm. is my first like Madonna song like this is like the this is my entrance into Madonna and what a robust and exciting artist to be introduced to, you know, because once you get hooked on Beautiful Stranger, you'll follow her for everything that comes after that. But you also have so many great moments to go look up as a as a young gay kid who who like found this new legendary queen. So it was mm -hmm. like this amazing introduction to this amazing artist. And so it's always held a really special place in my heart for that reason, because it's like seeing this music video on VH1 and MTV as a kid was like my eyes being open to the one and only Madonna, you know? So mm -hmm. that's like so special to me. And also the music video was incredibly provocative for me as a kid. <laughs> I will never forget the sort of like feelings I was experiencing watching Madonna like rub her boobs up against Austin Powers' face, <laughs> like lick his face. It was mm -hmm. like, it was honestly like, I feel like it's in my top five like um, sexual awakening moments. So <laughs> I can't, I can't totally parse out. Like, I mean, I, I, I love this song, but like, do I love it because it like, sexually awoke me I don't know but maybe because mm. uh, it was that was huge it was huge to see the video um, and be introduced to Madonna in this way I love 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 your setup about the song and why it means to you because that what you just described that is my relationship with soundtracks and why we mm. love movie music so much like I've discovered so many legends. I first discovered Frank Sinatra yeah. on an album for a, yes. a song. Who's Oh, I like it. And then I go and listen to the back catalog. Like, that's what I love about soundtracks and movie songs, that they can be bridges. And like, what a bridge to discover the queen of pop through yes. a movie song. Mm -hmm. That's yes. insane. That's so good. It's just such a testament to this genre that we love so much. Uh, Sophie, let's hear about you. What's your relationship with the song? I don't think that this was the moment that I really became mostly aware of Madonna. I think it was the next year with her album Music. That's when she really popped up on my radar. It's an interesting point of Madonna's career where she's kind of pivoting. She's experimenting with some different sounds. She's entering a different area of pop music, modernizing some of her sound. It's really interesting that at this era, you know, she's competing, maybe not competing, but she's alongside some other pop legends that are just starting, such as Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera. We're right on the on the brink of the the boy band bubble. I mean, uh, this is so pop music and she's, a certain version of pop music heyday or, gl or gl yeah, golden and, age. And sorry. she's going toe to toe with them because of just the era that you know, where wh when I was coming of age and where pop music was at that standpoint, I didn't really know about Madonna. I had to, I first got introduced to her in the music era, and then I had to sort of go backwards and sort of see where, you know, the, the, the precursor of Britney Spears, who I was obviously a big fan of, and kind of, I, I did my, my research and learned my history after that point. 
It's funny you both have mentioned when you discovered, like what mm-hmm. time in Madonna's score you discover. And even though I not really thought about that until hearing you both say, I, th- I feel like I owe my answer for that. Yeah. I think I first discovered Madonna and Dick Tracy mm-hmm. as a kid. Dick okay. Tracy was, oh. And since then, I was aware of Madonna. She also dated Charles Barkley, an NBA player who was my favorite. Yeah. So she was always, but it was more like Madonna, the pop celebrity mm. aspect of, of her. Uh, Ray of Light might be the first new music. I was like, oh, yeah, that's Madonna and, and stuff. Because also A League of Their Own. She's, it's not like yeah. her music that I was aware of. I was aware of Madonna. Yeah, yeah, Madonna as a legend and then going into her artistry. I think yeah, that right. that's the same case yeah. for but me. But I have very fond memories of this song. I love it. I went to Italy in 1999 when this song was out. And I just remember it being such a mega hit. It's, it was everywhere. Also, I had it. I can close my eyes, picture myself on the plane, uh, listening to this on my blue Sony Walkman CD player. Oh. I had the... CD. And yes, it brings me fond memory of there. Obviously, I went to Italy, Europe, where dance music is really big. Madonna, those kind of like, so it was just everywhere in the background throughout the whole trip. I never lost sight of it. In recent years, I, I bought this like audio equipment and fancy headset set up to like listen to music. I also am fortunate that I live in Los Angeles where there's a store called Amoeba Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And literally yeah. you can buy $1 CD soundtrack, the soundtrack bin. A spy who shagged me is a frequent member of that soundtrack bin. Yeah. And I bought it. I ripped it, listened to this song in like my new like fancy audio setup. It was like hearing it for the first time. I was able to wow. hear all those details, the instrumentation, some really cool things. It just sounds crisp. And this mm. kind of really crystallized an idea for me that I love how Madonna's music is mixed. The quality of the mixing mm. is caviar for music because actually when i like have to test headphones or audio equipment one of her songs is my go-to one of the like three songs i play it's Mm. gold i play david bowie golden years Mm -hmm. and i also play vogue by madonna it's just that beginning that beginning like you you hear that in a good audio setup yeah and that's literally Oh my god! I, I one of the few times I yeah. actually just got goosebumps playing yeah. like a seven second clip on the pod. Like I that intro for Vogue, it's oof, uh, about my favorite, and that's like one of my go to like for test stuff. So so yeah, now like this song, I listen to it a lot. It's one of it's one of my favorite Madonna songs. I I'll say it. It's one of my favorite Madonna songs. It's on rotation. I listen to it. A lot. I love it. And I was just so happy to see it, Michael Pig. <laughs> We're going to give it this treatment. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. this song does a lot more than people give it credit for. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. and, that, and that was my experience when I finally like heard this song with like a good setup. Yes. I was able to pick up so many details I love. And here's, here's a couple like instrumental details that I just really love. First, Please. my favorite, there's this deep vibrating, I'm going to call it synth, synth sound for a lack of, I, I really don't know what it is. At least that's what I think it is. It sounds like something, it's like a dark dissonance sound. And I think that's the perfect thing to call her Beautiful Stranger. Just like the dark, dangerous tones of this song. And it might be stretching, but it sounds like magnetic attraction. If if you had to give attraction a sound, like it sounds like two magnets. Here, I just want to play a little bit of this. Please. Those are 
those were two Ooh. sounds. Like you had the guitar, but then you uh -huh. had that synthesizer I was talking about. Yeah. You know? And also that guitar I just mentioned. That right there, what I played, that's like the instrumental part. That's the song in a nutshell. It's yeah. this clean 60 guitar line, then mixed with this modern synth sound. Ugh, I just I just love it. I'm just gonna so interesting that you describe that sound as modern because to me that just feels plucked right out of 60s psychedelic music like i think that, that i can also it, see that you're yeah. right i can also see that i think it's it's modern technology or mo modern synth doing behavior of, mm. of, of 60 that's what it sounds like yeah because this song is i think that part of the reason why it sounds so good is that it's blending that 60s sound with the 90s yeah and they go together so well i think because of the psychedelic elements that can also translate into electronica really well mm. really well said sophie oh, thank yes. you no, that's so true <laughs> yeah i mean like I, I was trying to come up with like a hot take about this song musically and then i read like on wikipedia it was like this song combined 60s psychedelic um guitars mm -hmm. with 90s electronica and i was like that's the hot take and that's just like a fact about yeah. the song like that's like literally what it is it's so that's what makes it so special and feels so timeless because it's like drawing back to the 60s and then even that like type of electronica in the 90s especially now like with Drake's mm -hmm. new album Beyonce's new album Chromatica like that's like the type of thing that we're now nostalgic for now and William Orbit is such an amazing producer and like this is an extension. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is an extension of his work on Ray of Light too. I mean, it yes. sounds a little bit like Ray of Light. And so he like he grounds it with his just just skill. He just like is an amazing musician. You know, it's 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 grounded in just great musicianship and knowledge of music history. So we're we're taking influence from the 60s and then in the 90s, especially the late 90s going into the early 2000s, and this is absolutely present on Ray of Light, is this um, interest and borrowing a lot of sounds uh, and instruments from Eastern music. And it, I think it's really interesting that the 60s did that and the late 90s were doing that. So it's the perfect blending of styles at the time for this song to come out. Yes. Well, let's not yeah. forget, it's also a perfect storm in storytelling. Literally, that's what happens mm. in the film. 1999, Charles back to the 60s. Wow. Yes, like, yeah. What a, what a coincidence that's happening in the film. Also, Madonna, before this song, is doing Ray of Light, where she has this modern sound. And this is just that sweet spot of everything just coming together. It makes perfect sense. And yes. it sounds just flawless. It's I don't know. It sounds flawless. Yeah. Yeah, it's really perfect well, for, we, for this we moment. We talked a lot about like that 60 sounds. And one thing I found interesting is that there's this song called She Comes in Color by the band Love, which might have been the bones of this song. And I want to hear hmm. you play a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Well, we definitely got the flute. Yeah, you definitely yeah. got the flute, the, the guitar too. That mm -hmm. sort of guitar mm. riff is really good. Um, yeah, the rhythm a, a little bit. Uh, but even the the really famous part in Beautiful Strangers, like da 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 da. Right. There's yeah. a part in this. There's a part in in this song mm. here. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. 
but that melody line sounds like what she does in yes. the uh, for sure. I yeah. can see yes. the inspiration there. And, and also, I have to say two things. A, I'm not saying this to take anything away from the creative achievement of Beautiful Stranger. It doesn't take away. Mm-hmm. B, although Rhino Records executive Gary Stewart acknowledges that the sound is reminiscent of She Comes in Color, Madonna denies any influence or aware of of the song. Sure. <laughs> I love so much. I I can go on and on about like when I find sources of music mm-hmm. or musicians where they took inspiration because yeah. to me it just makes me appreciate it more. Like man, the the end result of Beautiful Stranger and that's where you were kind of working with like hats off, man. That's so good. Yeah, yes. absolutely. I like tried to imagine myself listening to it for the first time ever. And I feel like I would be confused as to like, when is the chorus going to hit? Because like she prolongs that like pre-chorus, it kind of like is a pre-chorus that blends into the chorus. And then, but it's almost kind of like the pre-chorus is just like extremely long. And the chorus is just that, what you said that like, like, and that it takes forever to get there, but it's like, when it finds, which makes it where when she finally arrives, it's like an explosion of yes. energy because mm-hmm. there's so much build up to it. And it just slowly, slowly, slowly more to a place where that explosion would make sense just little by little, you know. I was I was applauding here on my side silently because <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to ruin your audio. But yeah. th- I was I was debating the same thing. I was like. Does this song have two pre-chorus? Is that a thing? Right. Because and then it, can a chorus be that short? Just that that like does is that like the outro of a chorus or like the tail of the chorus? I don't know. I know. Um, yeah. and, and, and I feel like anytime you can blur the lines in a song structure, it's really cool. Tip your hat off because that's, that's really exciting. difficult to do. That's really yeah. difficult to do. Yeah, I think it also contributes to why this is such a great dance track because you're kind of getting lost in the structure of the song. Yeah. Uh, right now, music is so chorus driven. Yes. Like we get to the chorus really the quickly well, in a lot yes. of songs. I want to then jump to a section because you said the modern part of it and the dance element yeah. of it. Let's Please. talk about the rhythm in this song a bit because I think we have. Also in the rhythm, we have a blend of the old and the new. Another song that you might think this is all reminiscent, a very famous psychedelic band, The Doors, mm-hmm. and Light My Fire. And then see, that's just the intro. Yeah. The structure, very similar to Beautiful Stranger, which just yes. starts with like that quick intro. But also the, the, the rhythm sounds like... And then we we start the song, so you can so that's, that's kind of right. you can say mm-hmm. oh like that's the you know the old rhythm and all that stuff. But then like you were mentioning, Sophie, we get to the chorus mm-hmm. and that's the beat of the chorus. That's isolated, yeah, yeah, I, isolated. Uh-huh. But that's like the music that was like right front and center at that point. House. Garage music. Trance, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. trance, trance, mm-hmm. yeah. This is what I love about doing this, just really f- putting the microscope and, and just finding so many cool details about yeah. that. I think it also makes sense that this song was more popular in the UK and Europe, not just for the, the weird release yep. of the CD single, but also just 
that is sort of their bread and butter, yes. especially Europe at this time. Yeah. 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 It was growing Absolutely. in popularity in the 90s here, but that's definitely their sound yeah, over this there. Is, this is a parenthesis. Another trip of Italy. I remember a song just taking over Europe was Chairs, Do You Believe in Love? Oh, my God. I mean, that was iconic. That was in the TV, every single commercial, different brands. They were all like, <laughs> this is our language now. Europe, yeah, they love they love a good uh, pop queen and and dance beat. Absolutely. Yes. Other elements that are featured in the song that make it connected more to like that uh, history is the there's an instrument feature on the song called the mellotron, which is very famous. Uh, here, I'm gonna play a little bit of the mellotron. Mm -hmm. Strawberry Fields. Yeah, I was about to say. Uh, a very important song in that genre. Uh, it's also featured on the song to connect it even more to that time period. Yeah. I mean, you, you've got to use the tools that they were using at the time to really get that sound. That's right. Mm hmm That's the Mellotron, the beautiful and strange. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's so I love cool. how you've been able to dissect this uh, so much. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's I'm, I was I was just really trying to replicate the experience I had mm -hmm. listening yeah. to this song on like a really good pair of her headphones and just listen yes. to all those details because mm -hmm. that's yes. really what I was like. Man, this is such a banger! Like, <laughs> I need to scream on top of a mountain about justice for beautiful yes. strangers, Madonna. <laughs> Honestly, so good. yeah. Okay, Michael referenced the music video a little bit, and I'd like to shine a bit of a light on that. So, Array of light? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so the music video was directed by Brett Ratner, who is also a film director and producer. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe I should say was. He hasn't worked since 2017, since he was oh. accused of sexual assault and harassment by multiple people, so... Yeah. Oh, wow. um, but yeah. I think that this video is doing a lot of really interesting things. It's very simple. We have three scenes, her on stage. Uh, well, first, we, we have that introduction from Austin Powers. So we're definitely integrating the song with the movie. Yep. Then she's on stage dancing and it's just her. There's yeah. no flashy lights. There is no backup dancers. There's no choreo. Nope. She's just vibing up there. And the first time I watched it, you know, recently in preparation, I was a bit like, wow, we're like squatting a lot and we're just <laughs> moving. And then by the end, I was like, I'm going to dance like that forever yes. now. Like that is yes. my new style of dance. <laughs> You've abandoned your making the split goal and now is oh, I want to do yeah. the squat. <laughs> my <laughs> my uh, every year I have the same New Year's resolution is that I want to do the splits and I've never <laughs> done it. It's been like five years Ditch of it. having this. <laughs> Ditch that goal. Your new New Year's resolution yes. is I want to recreate the beautiful strangers dancing routine. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that might be more achievable. Although totally. she is wearing the hell out of those capri pants i was shocked <laughs> yes. like y2k style is back you know we have like the low-rise jeans um yep. if you want to fully commit 
get yourself some capris that look like they're from Express that you wear to work. Should we yeah, do like that? Those are work pants. Should that be our, our first official merch of the podcast? Absolutely. Capris Beautiful Strangers branded Capris pants. with stilettos. So you can <laughs> dance your like Beautiful Strangers Amazing. Outfit. I love that so yes. much. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just on the like Madonna tip of it all, like mm -hmm. she, I I love this video. Obviously, it was I, I credit it for a coming of age moment in my life. But it's it's I love watching her perform in this. Like it's yes. so free and it's so unrestricted by choreography. And I'm a choreography queen. Like I yes. love a good routine. Um, I love to watch effort be exuded and like, and know there must've been, you know, tens and tens of rehearsals to get it there, you know? Mm -hmm. But I also appreciate when someone is able to just be compelling on their own, just left to their own devices. And I, yeah. I really think this is just like how she moves with it when she doesn't have any help. <laughs> like yeah. She just has this, her instinctual like moving routine. Yeah, because we're entering an era of intense choreo. Like yes. every song has choreography and, and a lot of it is iconic and so true to the song. Like when you think of Britney's I'm a slave for you, you yes. can do that choreo. And the boy bands, like half of it is the dancing. It's not even the songs. No. So it's so cool to see Madonna just up there vibing I to mean, her own song. Yes. It's also a masterclass on charisma like i'm waiting yes. i'm waiting to see a trailer on youtube of a new masterclass and it's like madonna <laughs> breaking down her beautiful stranger video because it's like yes if you notice there's no band behind me there's mm -hmm. no yes. lighting there's no visual it's just a blank background with like a neon tube light in the floor and i have to carry this video for what three minutes yes. or something she just really does yeah the camera on me and she does like and you might, that's a thing. You might see that music video and be like, oh, this is simple. Yeah. Right. How many people can carry a video just like that? Right. With those elements. Like, yes, Mike Myers is there and he brings his charm and he's pretty funny, but yeah. it's cutaways. He's not carrying the exactly. video. He's sort of yeah. supplementing it. And he's reacting to Madonna yeah, the entire exactly. time. Yeah. So... It's a big flex. <laughs> yes. And on the topic of like Madonna flexing, let's talk briefly about the vocals because mm. I feel like this was like the, I feel like after she was in Evita, it's like the Evita onto like, onto like probably like Beautiful Stranger, I would say. These are like six or, or five or six years of Madonna's voice being really, really good. I mean, I, I you, listen, you listen to something like Holiday and you don't really hear like mm -hmm. an amazing voice. Voice and you listen to something like um, I don't know her last album, Madam X, and you definitely mm -hmm. don't hear an amazing yeah. voice. But there's this like night, like mid to late '90s period where I think she had gotten trained for Evita and it like spilled yes. over into Ray of Light because she sounds gorgeous on like Frozen and The Power of Goodbye and Nothing Really Matters. Like she has such a gorgeous tone to her voice. And it, it spills right over into Beautiful Stranger because that's like the very next year. And it's just so, it's just like if I was listening to this track totally acapella, I would find it so soothing and nuanced mm -hmm. and like really beautiful. It's a really great vocal performance. Yeah, kudos to her for putting in that work on Evita and getting all of that training because I feel like there could have been a ton of pop stars who are like, this is what I do. I don't need it. 
And yes. she really put in the work to get that sound for Evita and carried it along with her into her into the work that followed. Like you just said, yeah, wasn't wasn't Ray of Light that was one of the things that it was really celebrated of her vocal performance? I mean, if you hear that song, yeah. yes, some of that stuff is like very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally. hard. Yeah, so. and that was a big moment for her, a change in her career because she had done erotica, which was like sexy, but like almost too overtly sexy. And mm-hmm. she had this sort of awkward moment on talk shows where she was like coming on really strong. Uh, she also had her table book, uh, her, co- her coffee table book, Sex, right. um, which is iconic, but also <laughs> some people iconic. thought was a little bit lewd. So <laughs> uh-huh. she pivoted into this more ethereal spiritual mystical space and also with her new vocal stylings that really lent into that sound i think a lot of people were surprised that this was coming out of her at that time we have to talk about someone who actually co-wrote the song which is william orbit i want to talk about him you mentioned a little bit about his setup and that um he comes from the electric music scene in the 80s and he's clearly you can see his blueprint through all of this so i want to talk uh you mentioned torch Yes, Torch Song. Torch Song? Mm -hmm. Uh, This was the song that you mentioned. Which, by the way, this was early 80s, I think. Yeah. Think about it. Electronic music in early 80s, this could sound dated to that time period, but I could play this and you'd be like, is that from 2011? I, I don't know. Like, it doesn't age like that. Right. He collaborated in Ray of Light, and this is. Orbit's blueprint all over Ray of Light. You got that dance beat? And yeah. Those, yeah. One of my favorite Madonna Iconic. songs, I have to say. Yes. So, and, yeah. so this is this is my train of thought. This really makes sense. Like, obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty. But now looking at it, if I take a step back and look at the big picture, when I went to that 99 trip in Europe, I mentioned house, garage, that music were really big. That was, this is the kind of music that was all over the background over there, here. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was, that's a, that was basement jazz with Red Alert. Huh. Here's how I connected the dots to what we're talking about. And I saw that there was this trend trend with big name artists to incorporate this trending sound and, and beautiful stranger ray of light is one example, but our guy, David Bowie, uh, <laughs> there with 90, is. 1997 earthling. He also got on, on this train here. Little wonder, So it's like we were we were saying Bowie a year later, wow. Madonna yeah. does, you know, a similar thing, incorporating that sound into her style. And mm-hmm. totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well done, Paulo. Like, that's such a great. <laughs> I, I feel like I understand the kind of like what this song is doing historically now better than yeah, I did sure. than I, than I did. That, that was fan. It's it's fan. It's honestly a fantastic work of musical art. Let's zoom out a little bit because I would be remiss if I didn't take a moment to acknowledge how Madonna absolutely kills it with movie songs. She has so many. Uh, Here's just a taste of some. 
I mean, Sophie, that was mind blowing. That was <laughs> yeah. insane. That's so good. Some and of them I really, really know. I mean, some classics there for me, but Vogue, yeah. But still, yeah. like, dang, that's all movie soundtracks. Uh, well, yes, because here's the thing: those aren't all necessarily singles because she was putting out full soundtrack albums, like "Who's That Girl" from right. the movie, the same name, and "I'm Breathless," which is um just the soundtrack for Dick Tracy. So right. she was doing an album and the movie soundtrack, like all which, in which one. Again, also, Vogue comes from that Dick Tracy right. soundtrack, yeah, like one of her biggest hits. <laughs> yeah, that's maybe like the definitive Madonna song. It is. I mean, it could definitely for be me. Argued. It is. It's my yeah. favorite. Yes. But yeah, you know, yeah. Wow. So out of 12 U.S. Billboard Hot 100 spots that she's had, five of them have been from movies. Huh. And that's not including Into the Groove, which wasn't released in the U.S. as a single, so it didn't count, but it absolutely would have been number so one. So asterisk five. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, six with an asterisk. <laughs> uh, and two other movie songs reached number two on the same chart. So like a good chunk of her hits have been tied to films, which I think is really also, interesting. We talked about Beautiful Strangers. It was 19, but not released. So if it was released, it could have made it. So yeah. I'm just going to push Good that point. and be like, yep. probably like seven or eight out of her 12 could have been yes. number ones in the U.S. Yeah. And I think that's Evita just... charted as well. Like, don't cry for me, Argentina. I mean, that's not her song, but it is her performance. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And if you ask a certain type of person, a.k.a. me, that's her song. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she, t yeah, she, yeah. It, it had already existed, but she claimed it. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I kind of see where you're going with this, so but yeah. I, wanna, I want you to keep going because I think I know where you're at, and yes. I hope so. That's really <laughs> yes, you, I, I think you see where the train is headed. So <laughs> earlier on another podcast, we were talking about the the Mount yes. Rushmore of movie songs. Mm, uh, our running bid, our yeah. first running bid. So the Mount Rushmore current, of movie songs. Yeah, currently who's on there? We have songwriter Diane Warren, Br uh, sure. Brian Adams, and Kenny Loggins, Kenny Loggins and, and Alan Menken. Alan Menken. Do yep. we did Madonna just dethrone any I, of I those? I think Madonna dethrones two people in this. Oh my two. Only one has to be dethroned for now. Okay. Who oh do you think? Gosh. Who this should get like, the boot? Well, so it's tough because we haven't covered Kenny Loggins, and I don't have like I know that he has a big presence in movies, like some absolute classic. But clearly, based on volume here. I'm pretty sure he doesn't come near to Madonna. I know Brian Adams doesn't come near to no, Madonna. Doesn't. So yeah. both of them can be dethroned. I agree. But only Ooh. one needs to. I'm going to go ahead and submit Brian Adams. Yeah, I think we can ditch Brian Adams. Um, because he, he really only has one or two actually good movie songs. And I don't. And I think. I disagree. I think he has more. <laughs> <laughs> but we're giving Kenny Loggins the benefit of the doubt. We're going to cover him soon. He's going to obviously yeah. pop up. So Brian Adams can come back in sure. to take Kenny Loggins' spot. But I think for now on, our new Mount Rushmore of movie songs should be Diane Warren, Madonna, Kenny Loggins, mm. and Alan Menken. Michael, how do you feel about that? I have been scandalized by this discussion because <laughs> the tension is high and I'm literally looking at the Kenny Loggins discography as uh -huh. y'all talk because I have an attachment to Kenny Loggins <laughs> um, for some for some reason. I 
think though that it is almost impossible to argue with straight up facts and logic and i think that uh, madonna needs to be on the mount rushmore Agreed. so whatever you got to do you kind of got to do it so i yeah. support it i support it yeah i feel proud look what have you done you have Usher Madonna yes. into the song will go on Mount Rushmore of movie songs. Oh yeah. my gosh, my next my next target will be trying. This to is really Britney a shocker, yeah. and I think it speaks volume to Madonna as an artist mm -hmm. yes. that she has this body of work in movies. Yes, and you don't even really connect her with that because she's such a like omnipresent of music. You think yes. about uh, you think of her outside, not to mention. She's acting in in some films. Like, yeah, if you want, she's good. Yeah, we're only basing this on music, but if you want to throw that there, director of two films, mm -hmm. won a Golden Globe for Best Actress. Yeah, fourteen Evita. films she's acted. Yeah, it's amazing how 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 much movies have yes. meant to Madonna's career. Yeah, totally. vice versa. <laughs> answerable questions. Do we move on to answerable questions? I'm ready. Let's do it. Yeah. Seven seconds in heaven. What seven seconds from the song gives you goosebumps? Michael, tradition, we start with our guests. I know my answer. Yeah. Looked into your eyes and my world came tumbling down. Yes, that goes. It all harkens back to my point earlier about just her beautiful voice and range and clarity of her tone in this song. I just... I love late 90s Madonna. I'm a ray of light head. I'm a beautiful stranger mm -hmm. head. This is just where she found her pocket. And like, you know, Sophie mentioned that her next album was music where she went more electronic and more altered. Yes. Uh, but for there was this there was this period in the late 90s where she was a really good singer. And I just when when the whole music kind of calms down, and it's just very ethereal behind her and her voice takes the center stage am amongst all the noise that came before and after it. I just, I get chills. I love it so much. Yeah. I think that's the bridge of the song. It is. And yeah. it's sort of where you take a break from the rhythm. Like we're just getting the instrumental, but not the beat. We take a break from it. Also, your seven seconds are my favorite seven seconds from the music video. Because I oh, think yeah. that plays in the coolest shot of the music video, where is this... Uh, the, the one where they take us a break from the stage and they go into this like a uh, groovy circle. Yep. And Mike yes. Myers and then, and they're like, there's a camera overhead and they're kind of, they're, they're not laying hugging. on the floor. Yeah. They're hogging yeah. on the floor and it's like yeah. spinning and it matches the music really well. Cause mm -hmm. that's, you, you mentioned the word ethereal and you're kind of yes. in this psychedelic spin. I don't know. Yeah. That's I right. also just had a thought like lyrically, she's saying you're a devil in disguise, but she sounds so angelic when she's saying it. Right. Yeah. Because uh, the word ethereal made me think of that. So just yeah. a cool contrast there. What do you got, Sophie? Play it. Paolo teased that that sound a little bit earlier, though. Like it, it just injects energy into it. And then we're hit with that beat. I just it just makes me want to dance when it makes me yep. want to dance like Madonna. Also, how how playful she's she yes. says that line like, everywhere I go. Like her, her voice like here, I'm just going to play again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, the same. Yeah. like it's just like she like bends it in a playful yeah, way. You're like, yeah, Her she's dancing. She's this. dancing with that with that vocal line. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Paolo, what's yours? Just the beginning. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, yeah. makes of like I said that synth 
and that guitar. Like we, we just come from that in- roller coaster intro. It's like a high, 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 uh-huh. and then it like parachutes, and we land on this just soft. Yeah, I, I could just. So there's a version in the in the movie William Orbit edited version of this song. And it actually starts with a couple of riffs of just the guitar and that beat sound. Because in the movie, that's not what I actually played. There's a scene where Basil Exposition is talking to Heather Graham's mm-hmm. character about, oh, don't get attached. Don't get a-. And, and uh-huh. you, li- you hear the song on the background, but it's a bit intrument- instrumental. Cut to next scene, Austin Powers, like driving. And that's when we actually hear the lyric because it's like a movie montage. So there's no dialogue. It's just that. So, all right. Favorite lyric. Uh, each host. Shits our lie on their favorite lyric. What do you got, Michael, first? Okay, my favorite lyric is, I look into your face, my heart was dancing all over the place. (laughs) 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 Because, and I actually will revisit this lyric in a later question of this section of the podcast. (laughs) Uh, Because it's silly, and it's like, it, it makes me feel like, I think of myself as someone who likes artfulness and likes knowing how much thought went into something. But Mm -hmm. there are certain songs where like the sillier, the better. And this song already has so much artful shit going on that like a lyric like that, which is just purely (laughs) ridiculous (laughs) and easy. But she sells it though. Madonna says it and it sounds really great. I know. I know. (laughs) So I, I just, I just love it. And it gives you permission to just like enjoy the song and not you know get tangled up and like all these amazing things about it it's just like have fun now just have fun you you get you get where we're going with it just have fun now dance around yeah <laughs> yeah what about you okay my favorite lyric is if i'm smart then i'll run away but i'm not so i guess i'll stay mm. heaven forbid i take my chance on a beautiful stranger it's a little bit of um why am i referencing this right now i'm not sure but like baby it's cold outside where it's like Uh, she's pretending like oh i shouldn't do this like you know it's like i'm gonna do the thing that i know i'm not supposed to do anyway uh and act like you know like it's the hard thing to do i also just love her delivery on heaven forbid me too yeah it's just it's really interesting it that part always jumps out at me in the song for some reason totally I'm going to sing mine because I just cannot. But please. it's like, please. you could be good for me. I have a taste for danger. I love that. <laughs> you yes. could be good for me. I have a taste for danger. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know, just that line. I have a taste for danger. Like yes. It's just so playful and, and inviting and I just wonder, all the feelings yeah. encapsulated there. I wonder if this song was an inspiration for Taylor Swift with uh, Trouble. <laughs> you know like Maybe, it's yeah. it's the same message i mean it's it not a, a novel mean, one but you're still. not <laughs> it wouldn't be a long shot that madonna is oh, a source of, of inspiration for taylor swift yeah right has it aged well we ask ourselves if the movie or song has aged well let's focus on the song oh my god this song yeah. for me has aged incredibly well it sounds yes. so fresh i feel like if this came out today it wouldn't like I don't know I have like this like weird aversion to when people say if this song came out today it'd fit right in or whatever because I always seem to find myself not totally buying into that concept because mm-hmm. I'm just like there's just like more nuances there even just like the way songs are mastered now is just so much yeah. louder than they were back then so like even stuff like that I, I get picky about but this one I think would literally like blow me away if it was released tomorrow I'd be wow. like this is just as innovative and weird and strange and amazing as um as i thought it was when i was a child 
What, what do you guys think? Am I off base? No, I, I totally support we, that. We, yes, yeah. 100%. I feel like part of what makes this song hard to pin down in time, I mean, I know that we all know Madonna's career so well that we, we can pinpoint it, but just based on its sound, it's blending the 60s and 90s, so it kind of doesn't give it uh, an exact home right. in time. So I think that it could really come out at any time. Has this become sort of like a hidden gem in Madonna's discography? Like this overlooked a little bit song where, you know, it's not some of her like top 10 biggest hits, but. Well, now we're getting into underrated or overrated. Oh, yeah, well, underrated, yeah. overrated. I, think, I think it's also underrated. I think it's, it's, it's aged yeah. well because it's also become sort of this yeah. hidden gem mm-hmm. in her discography. But yeah, I think I saw it Rolling Stones ranked the best 50 Madonna songs. And this was actually 26. So props. Okay. Okay. Right in the middle. Yeah. 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 I think everyone has the same reaction when they revisit it, which is like, this is an incredibly good song. This is like a sound song. Everyone did well like the production's great madonna's great it's mm-hmm. like but you just i don't know i i wonder if the like i said when i first started the podcast with you guys like i can't strip it away from austin powers and like because it's, it's so austin powers e and tied into yeah. it so tightly and like i wonder if and you know paulo you had mentioned that like we don't really like wear Austin Power shirts anymore. So I wonder if like, cause the song won a Grammy. She performed it on her next couple of tours. You know, it, yep. it, I feel like it was big, but I wonder if as Austin Powers faded from the cultural consciousness, so did Beautiful Strange. No, that's a thing. That's I, a good point. Yeah. I, I feel that time for me personally, time allows you to disconnect it more. Now this feels more of a Madonna song than mm-hmm. an Austin Powers song. I think also Madonna is advocating for this song. She included it on two greatest hits albums. Okay. Maybe it is kind of married to Austin Powers because it didn't get any space on an album release or released as like a Madonna single instead of just like a a promotional tool. But Madonna is creating space for this song. And I think most people's reaction would be, oh, my God, I forgot about that song. It's fantastic. Yes. Yeah, I don't yeah. think anyone's going to say eh. it happens a lot. Sometimes a lot of the artists like ignore or abandon their their movie song. Yeah. The fact that she's embracing it can make the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, Hall of Fame moment. Who or what had their best moment in pop culture with this movie? It can be anything. A person, a studio, a film, a music genre. Michael, Sophie, do you have any picks? Michael, let's start with you. Do you have anything that came to mind? 40-year-old women, because this is Madonna. Madonna was 40 when she made this. And I'm thinking a lot about 40-year-old women at the moment because Beyonce is 40 as well and just released Mm -hmm. an amazing record. And I just, I feel, and I I know that like when J-Lo did the Super Bowl, I was working at a, at a place where most of my coworkers were women in their 50s. And they were talking mm. a lot about how much that <laughs> meant to them to see a woman at 50, you know, pole dance and, and, you know, just dance so energetically. Anyway, all this to say that 40 feels very young to me now that I'm closer to it than ever before. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I know that culturally it's difficult for um, pop stars to enter that era of their that decade of their existence and Madonna here feels and sounds and looks vital and young and exciting and um, energetic and fully in her element you know and like we talked about charisma um, earlier just totally carrying this music video um, mm-hmm. so I would say women in their 40s and women with or anyone with gap with a gap in their teeth because I love oh. Madonna's yes. tooth gap in this video I just like, I think I think she looks so pretty. This is my like favorite 
era of Madonna as like a as like as like a model as like a as a human entity. I, I just love looking at her and love watching her perform. Yeah, I love that. Actually, uh, you mentioned the Super Bowl with JLo and my friend is a teacher. She's with uh, elementary school kids or probably like third grade. And they had no knowledge of who JLo was. And mm. after she performed at the Super Bowl, they came to school and were like, Jennifer is the new Ariana Grande. Like yeah. they had no idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they were just like, she's the new thing in pop music. <laughs> that is incredible. Isn't it? Yeah, I loved incredible. that. Incredible. Yeah. Yes. My Hall of Fame moment is for Capri pants. <laughs> yes. Um, yep. Tied with Audrey Hepburn. I think that the this is a moment for Capri's. She made them super sexy. And I also, I love the way that she looks in this movie. Oh, I'm sorry. In this music video, that honey blonde hair, mm -hmm. uh, it's, she just looks so, so herself, so natural and just effortless. Like we mentioned Bowie, we were comparing Bowie and the different looks tied with the different genres. Mm -hmm. And there's definitely a Bowie period where he's like, oh, it's, that's just Bowie. Like he, he's not right. putting a character or not. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if this is like the most... Madonna look like the most mm. sort of like this is just me this is just Madonna yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I would pro I, I think that there's a, definitely an argument that you could make for this era Paolo what's your hall of fame Madonna's squat dance move oh uh, hall of fame for squat hall dancing uh, hall moves? of fame moment for squatting absolutely yes, <laughs> yeah. yes I um, love it I don't know about this one this needs more research but hall of fame for collaborative relationships between movie star and pop star yeah. because Mike Myers and Madonna actually have a long history of like collaborating on things. They did huh. a couple of SNL sketches. They did the Wayne's, Wayne's World. World yeah. uh, Madonna invited Mike Myers to do the whole Truth or Dare bit uh, with Wayne's World when she was doing a documentary, I think, Truth or Dare. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're friends. Yeah. Like. Yeah. They have yeah. like a collaborative relationship, like almost huh. like a, director and film composer they keep collaborating and i was trying to it's a hard thing to google like not a thing come up but i was trying to google um pop stars and movie stars that collaborate more than once or like have an ongoing hmm. relationship and i don't know maybe throughout the podcast we'll find more but this yeah. is the first one i was like oh yeah they've been collaborating uh a couple of times there's a third collaboration that i'm blanking oh the the coffee talk was another snl sketch oh yeah mm -hmm. the madonna puts on the wig and 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 participate in coffee coffee talk so i read in an interview mike myers talked a little bit about their collaboration and he just likes collaborating with her because she's kind of always like down to sort of have fun like yeah. she does she's always has a has a cool goofy side yeah, I don't think she takes herself too seriously. AOL and movies. Is this the best AOL? Oh my movies? god, no, you've got mail. Oh, oh, yeah. absolutely. It has to be you've got Gosh, mail. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah. Remix. <laughs> With today's current artist or band, what will be your choice if the song or movie came out today? This is gonna be interesting. Yes, Michael, yeah. let's start with you. Okay, so number one is Harry Styles. I oh. would love to hear Harry Styles cover Beautiful Stranger. I would love it so much. Wow. And then I feel like I feel like he would it would be a great video. He'd really have fun with the style. I think it would be a hit. And then two is Lizzo because <gasps> my favorite Lizzo mode is disco Lizzo. I'm like a juice guy more before I'm like a truth hurts guy. So like mm. I um, which I love both, but 
I like her in disco mode and I feel not that this is a disco song, not that it's referencing disco, but I feel like she's really good at genre play. And I mm. also think that she, it would just be a really fun, light uh, Lizzo number. It would be really, really exciting. So those are my two. Amazing. Really good pick because yeah. Lizzo plays the flute. So maybe she <gasps> can be the Amazing. one doing, doing the, the flute solo at the end. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What about you, Sophie? Okay, I thought about this long and hard. Instead of who could do, you know, a Madonna style vocal, I thought about someone who maybe sings in a style that takes inspiration from different time periods. So this artist borrows a lot from the 90s and early 2000s. Uh, and I was just curious to see how she would do this. I thought of Rina Sawayama. Great pick. Yeah, Great I'd be pick. very curious to see how she would handle something like this. I think she can kind of nail anything because she like has nailed everything so far. Right, right. Um, and it's genres. Yeah, you're, like you said, like she plays around with a lot of genres, but this is totally in her wheelhouse. It is. And I feel like she is a pop star in sort of the same vein of Madonna. Like she yep. handles her music in a similar way to Madonna. And I don't know how to articulate it more than that. This is an idea that is coming <laughs> right off the dome. Um, yes. Yeah, I'll have to reflect more on this because there are Ambition. parallels between her and Madonna in my head. I just need to figure out what they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say just like the grand ambition of it all. Like they're, they, sure. they, they do so much, you know, they, they tackle right. so many lanes. Mm -hmm. um, right. Yeah. Paolo, how about you? She doesn't have the, the statue of a career of Madonna. She's not in that. But if we're going for like dance music, something be really like a banger dance, uh, Jesse Ware. Yes. Would, be, would oh, love that. My love pick for that. That's a good one. WTF, a moment from the movie or song that made you think I needed a second opinion. I'm just opening this roundtable style. I mean, there's definitely some stuff with the movie. Maybe almost too many things, too many to count. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think Fat Bastard has aged gracefully. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just a bit much. There's a lot in the movie that that's a bit much and wouldn't necessarily fly. Currently, I think I think comedy in particular, it's hard to age uh, yeah. well. My WTF is really like, why didn't this get on a Madonna album? Yeah. Yeah, she didn't. Yeah. She didn't add yeah, it. Yeah, I like this better than some tracks on music, for yeah. sure. I don't know. I feel like I could have I mean, found a home somewhere. Is this a controversial opinion? I like it more than music. Yeah, I do too. M music is it not my favorite Madonna single. <sighs> Musically, yeah, musically, I guess I have to give it to this, but it, it, music was such a moment. Like music, the it's a music video and the and cane, the yeah. Like yeah. I don't, I don't listen to music as much as I listen to a lot of other Madonna tracks. Yeah, but yeah, that's fair. That, that's just me. Music is such an earworm, though. And it kind of, I feel like, was more zeitgeisty than For this. sure. This was more like... Oh, yeah, for sure. It, yes. it had a bigger dent on pop culture. Absolutely. Yeah. Here's one about Madonna. And this goes back to that collaborative relationship I talk about, Mike Myers and Madonna. Yep. I found this in some interview and blew my mind. So apparently Madonna pitched, in 1993, Madonna pitched to Mike Myers a Some Like It Hot remake <laughs> with 
Mike Myers and Dana Carvey doing the two male roles who dress up as women and, and go right. in the band. Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then Madonna also suggests Sharon Stone to play Madeline Moreau's part. And then Madonna plays the man leader. And huh. she, she also mentioned that this is very weird by Madonna. She mentions Marilyn Monroe's character gets kicked. So meaning Sharon Stone's character gets kicked off the band when she gets caught drinking. So then Madonna steps in into her shoes. And I was like, why aren't you just like... Why don't you just play the part? Right? Yeah, why don't you just <laughs> yeah. like... Why not, did you yeah. kick out Sharon Stone? <laughs> I don't, like, for, for a reason, it's like, first of one, this project would have really sounded cool. I would have I loved know, to I, see this. I see no flaws in that pitch yeah. at all. Yeah. So, so I, I love the go project. For it. Yes. <laughs> Man, I, I wish we could visit the, the multiverse where this actually came to Me fruition. Too. Yeah. Very was, badly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> my moment, my WTF moment is, I looked into your face, my heart was dancing. <laughs> Yeah. all over the place it's back it's back <laughs> yeah because i would definitely have stopped and looked at that on the paper for a bit and been like should i rewrite that line and i'm so grateful that they did not yeah <laughs> maybe she's like i'll do it later and then it's yeah. like hearing it oh she made it it works yeah Oops. it's like one of those things that the more you try to rewrite it the more you fall in love with the thing that yeah. came out first you're like this is this work. It works. Let's do it. <laughs> yep. To be continued, should we revisit this movie and talk about other songs in the soundtrack? What do you think? So what do you think? American Woman cover by Lenny Kravitz was kind of a moment. I mean, it, it's yeah, I, on his Greatest Hits album. It, you know, I I definitely remember that video, too. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a strong maybe because it's a yeah. cool soundtrack. There's other stuff. This isn't a one in one. There is some some you mentioned that cover. Yeah. The R.E.M. Dragging the Line is kind of cool. Yeah. I also f- really like the song Dr. Evil by They Might Be Giants, which is the oh. song we actually hear in the beginning that sounds straight up a, a, a James Bond song. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Dr. Evil. And yeah, like they're just definitely very parodying James- Bond. Yeah. yeah. Too bad. I looked that up. That song. I was like, oh, this song is really good. It's like only like a minute or 20. So clearly yeah. just for like that stretch they needed. Yeah. But I wish right. they might be giants would have done um, a full song. There's this. also like a pretty weird cover uh, from Mel B called. Uh, it's a cover of Word Up by Cameo, huh. which I'm not sure why it's in this movie, because like that's an 80s song anyway. So why? Are, sure. I don't know. And then there's a very confusing performance that she did on a British uh, on, on a British TV show where she is seated the entire time. Huh. And there are just girls <laughs> dancing next to her trying to make this a dynamic performance. And it's sort of like... Minimal effort. It's the antithesis of the Madonna music video. Wow. <laughs> like she couldn't be more stoic. So it's just really bizarre. She was also going by Melanie G at the time because she oh. was married to a guy whose last name was G. So it's like... None of that's working for me. None of it works i don't know why but i'm confused and i'd like to figure so it out sounds what's going like on it might be a fun revisit <laughs> yeah, so yeah. but yeah i mean for, for songs with maybe a little bit more merit american woman was a moment lenny yeah. kravitz is awesome will the song go on will the song live on and continue to be a part of pop culture 
Look, I, I think this is an absolute yes by all three of us. Yeah, I hope so. I know that Madonna put it on two greatest hits albums, as we said, so people can absolutely find it there when they're because I think that's someone's first stop when they are discovering an, an artist. Instead of going through their discography, they're going to go straight to the greatest hits album. So maybe people, of, right. you know, from younger generations will go there and get to hear it. Yeah, you there. mentioned it. I just think Madonna's legacy, like Madonna's going to be an artist that for generations, people are going to keep going back to it. Absolutely. And if you go back to and start to discover her legacy, eventually you're going to stumble upon this song and there's no way it doesn't grab your attention. For yeah. sure. So as she's going to make it, it's not Austin Powers, it's she's going to make it uh, live on. All right, YouTube comments. So you gone out and searched some YouTube comments. Did you find anything good for us? I did. All right, let's get into it. I got to give the Austin Powers franchise massive props for this, giving us one of Madonna's best songs. Yeah. They said it, not me, but I kind of agree. <laughs> I really love this song. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious to continue that conversation on Instagram or Twitter. Yeah. But uh, I would love to know, is it just the three of us that are a massive <laughs> fan of this? or We can't be alone. Are we, are we in the same wavelength as everyone here's another one i love how she did the theme song for both an austin powers movie and a james bond movie oh, which is so right. true she did die another yeah. day so that's right yeah yeah wow wow <laughs> here's another holy crap i thought this was an actual 60s slash 70s song for a solid 20 years gotta be one of madonna's best I, my question is did yeah. they know it was a madonna song and they still thought it was from the 60s <laughs> Also, I don't think Willem Orbit would take kindly to that comment. This doesn't sure. sound from the 60s. Like, but it's a great I, homage, but it sounds really modern. Like, I, I don't get that. I see where they're coming from, but yeah. I think I they meant it. So maybe, maybe they thought Madonna was doing a cover of Beautiful Stranger huh. from the oh. 60s. Like, maybe they okay. thought it was maybe. like an original. Yes. yes. And they were like, she, and then it's like, no, she, she wrote it. Like, oh. we'll, we'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember being in a chat room in 1999 and talking to another woman about this video saying how gorgeous Madonna was. She was definitely our woman crush here. Aww. Yeah. I just love that she was talking probably with, with a beautiful stranger. Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> no, yes. I wonder, was it, was it ICQ? Were they talking ICQ? Maybe. <laughs> if she hadn't won one of the two Grammys she was nominated for, for, I would have been calling the president of the universe. <laughs> okay. It also sounded kind of like a Dr. Evil threat. <laughs> oh, totally. President of the universe yes. with the pinky. <laughs> oh, and here's here's a, just a special mention. There were too many to pick. There were so many comments talking about how this song specifically came out in the summer of 1999 and what a special time that was for people. And I just think the fact that people remember the season that it came out means yeah. that this is absolutely like a benchmark song for the summer, for the year 1999. And there's just something so special about summer songs, right? It yeah. is. No, it is. I yeah. Mean, look it's at its me. own genre, basically. Even, even yes. me talking about this song, I mentioned that Prip uh, so right. much and I have associated Yeah, that. yeah, of course. I just, music can... To me, music is one of the ways to like access my memories. Like I remember right. what I was listening to that that time makes make makes it a lot easier. Mm -hmm. All right, I hate to say it, but I think we're closing up our discussion of Beautiful Stranger, uh, Michael. It's been a blast discussing this song with you. I'm so glad that you so picked fun. it. So fun, yes. Thank <laughs> you, you both for having yeah, me. Thank you. Of course. Can you please tell the people where they can find you on socials and where they can listen to your music? Yes, yes. I'm on Instagram at Johnny Darlin. 
Darlin. That's D A R L I N. And my band is also on Instagram at Darlin the Band. And if you search Darlin Space the Space Band on any of your favorite streaming platforms, you can hear our music. And I would be honored. I have to say, you're doing a great job with the Instagram Darlin the Band because I follow you guys and I want to go to a show. You, Yay! the, the energy, yes. their energy of it looks such a, like a good time. Yeah, oh, next time in New York so much. has to happen. Absolutely. Well, let's give the people a, a little taste of your music. Ooh, so please. Here is your latest song, Breathe, by Darlin the Band. It's not hard, it's not hard, it's not hard to get the help you need. You just gotta face the demons living in your mind and your body. And admit that you are weak. Someone you think is strong And I've gotten good at that with anyone But you still are not coming over tonight No, no Even if I'm on want you You know that I want to But I think about it I guess I'll step out just a point Say breathe, don't sweat it Say breathe, don't sweat it I dream about you I think that's good enough That you want me And I'm sweating Want me and I'm sweating. Ooh, I'm sweating. Say breathe, I'm sweating. Ooh, breathe, I'm sweating. I guess I'll skip out this one. But it's not hard, it's not hard, it's not hard to get what you want. Get rid of distraction, then get focused on that dream inside your heart. And you go for what excites you, what invigorates your soul. And I've gotten good at that with anything but you. You invite me over to that. No, no, no. Even if I'm on to, you know that I want to. Oh, but I think about it. I guess I'm scared of this. I'm going to say breathe, don't sweat it. Say breathe, don't sweat it. I dream about you. I think that's good enough, but you want me. I'm sweating. You want me. I'm sweating. Breathe. I'm sweating. Say breathe. I'm sweating. Breathe. I'm sweating. I guess I'll get out this upon the bed. I spy with my little eye of scared boy tonight. He still thinks to fall in love could ruin his life. Oh, no, oh, 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 oh. I start with my little eye, a scared boy tonight. Still thinks to fall in love might threaten his life. Breathe my inner child, breathe through this, breathe through this. But I think about it, I guess I'll step out just a point. Say breathe, don't sweat it, say breathe, don't sweat it. I dream about you, I think that's good enough for you for me. Say breathe, don't sweat it. Ooh. 
Thank you so much for sharing that. We, we got to have you back. Clearly, there's yeah. some other songs here we talked about. We yes, gotta, there's absolutely. more to cover here. The start of a journey. <laughs> please. So, please check out Darlin' the Band and share it with your friends and uh, this podcast while you're at it. See you in the next song. Bye. The song will go on is written, researched, and produced by Sofia Matano and Paolo Garcia. Theme music is composed by William Russell. Consulting producers are JP Lee and Jonathan Fisher. Recording, editing, and mixing by Sofia Matano and Paolo Grassini. The song will go on. It's a Gigawatts podcast. You can find Gigawatts on YouTube and on Instagram at gigawatts underscore YouTube. Gigawatts!